Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Camp podcast here. I am your host, Colin. Austin is away temporarily. Uh, he's off on his yacht off the Amalfi Coast. He will be gone for the foreseeable future. But have no fear. We will keep this podcast going. I will be joined by a multitude of guests over the next couple of weeks. But first off, I am leading off here with Mr. Brandon Sanders at CFF University, the host of the Future Freshman Podcast, joining me today to talk a little freshman class review. Talk about the uh, the big names, the top of the list, how they're looking, some of uh, some of the middle tier guys, and highlight some of the big fish, small pond players that uh, Brandon highlighted on the Future Freshman Podcast. Uh, Brandon, really appreciate you joining me today, man. Yeah, man. It's glad to be on. I uh, was just on Camp Bound, which you and me left in good hands. We did. Uh, so I got to be on, talk to Mike and Adam. So that was a really cool, interesting uh, conversation, talking a little bit on the NFL side. But here I am back at Campus Life. So now I'm covering both sides of the C2C uh, you know, forecast there. So I'm glad to be hopping on and talking to you as usual. It feels like old times. It's like we never left Camp Bound whatsoever. And uh, <laughs> here we are again, talking more of my forte and what I like here in the CFF world for sure. Yeah, yeah, feels like we never left. Uh, like you said, we left it in good hands. That was a good episode with you, uh, Adam and Mike. That was, uh, I've yeah, been really enjoying Adam and Mike's take on, on Canton Bound. Yeah, the two down boys, they know what they're doing there at South Harmon. So definitely go check out Canton Bound if you guys haven't already, if you need help with your NFL side. Yes, sir. And if you're not a member over at the site, they may have a little promo code for you too. Uh, yeah. So definitely go check out Canton Bound for a number of different reasons. Uh, but we'll, we'll just, Hop right in here, man. Uh, we don't need to waste time. We'll, we'll talk about the top of the class here. And this was a pretty historic freshman class at the quarterback position this year. There were five quarterbacks in the top 27, top 24 7 composite, uh, top 20 rankings there. They were Malachi Nelson, quarterback headed to USC, uh, Dante Moore, quarterback headed to UCLA, Arch Manning at Tennessee. Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma and Nico Iamalieva at Tennessee. They were the five uh, five stars at uh, in the composite rankings. But our recruiting team here had three five stars. We had three guys up in tier one. Uh, Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Arch Manning were our three tier one quarterbacks. Uh, and I want to start talking with Dante Moore, uh, the one that we've seen the most of mm -hmm. this year. Uh, we've seen him play in five games this year. Uh, our four games this year, uh, 91 for 175, 52% completion percentage, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, seven picks. He's taken 19 sacks, has two fumbles this year. Some good, some bad, but where are we at with Dante Moore here, Brandon? What are your thoughts on his performance and then maybe what we can uh, expect in store for him in the future? So Dante Moore in the CFF side, he was highly sought after. He was like the guy other than Nico, who we can talk about maybe later as far as being in the proper system that you want to have, especially at Tennessee. Um, him and Malachi were sought after pretty high because of the offense that they play in and stuff like that. Well, Dante was highly sought after because of the playing time. We all thought that he was going to beat out garbers he was going to beat out Colin Slee, and he was just going to just take over the the reins right so he was just going to start and he would have 
a year one opportunity where he could play possibly up to four years, but a, definitely a three year span. And that's what we want in CFF Dynasty for sure. So definitely was excited. Uh, definitely like UCLA better than some of the other options. But uh, here we are almost at the end of the season, Colin. And um, I'm a little confused of what's going on with Dante, if I'm being honest with you. Like you see the flashes, you see what he was capable of doing there in, in a Michigan high school and stuff like that. And I don't know if this is a Chip Kelly situation. I don't know if it's like him shutting it down on himself because he wants out of there. Like, I'm I'm not quite sure what Dante's up to. He seems to be a bit suspicious recently. But uh, depending if he does hit the portal, um, there's some opportunities at different schools and stuff like that. Um, there's always poaching. We always hear the uh, offseason rumors of who can pull a, a quarterback out of the ACC or, you know, Big Ten, things like that, and trying to move into the SEC, things like that. So, Dante, if his name goes in there, he'll be highly sought after for sure. But, man, I don't like the 19 sacks, the two fours, <laughs> you know, fumbles for loss, the seven picks and stuff like that. I just feel like he's never been able to kind of fully settle in, if that makes sense. It's almost like it's too sporadic. Either he'll play, then Garbers plays, now Schley's playing, and it's like Dante, I haven't heard too much as far as injury. So it sounds like he's just kind of just sitting out. So maybe he's told them like he's out of there basically. And he's just finishing up the semester and things like that. So that's my hope is that maybe he finds himself a new home. was hoping UCLA was going to be the ticket. Um, you know, I personally paid my first round pick in CFF dynasty for him because I wanted the immediate playing time. Luckily I only had to play him in like two situations. Uh, you know, you have your seniors and your juniors that are doing really good there for your C2Cs and your CFFs and stuff like that. So I've been lucky not having to play, but only like two ones. And one of them was like a 20 point game. It was like probably his best performance. Um, so I don't know about you, Colin, but I'm a bit confused as far as what's Dante up to basically. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm right there with you with Dante more. I mean, it, it was, there was a lot of talk in the off season about, is he going to start day one? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be, we thought Colin Schley potentially when that first transfer was first announced. Uh, then we got the Ethan Garber news. Dante Moore ends up being the one who starts uh, after two games of uh, Ethan Garber's where we thought we saw enough. Dante Moore goes in there and then he gets the hook. It's pulled. Um, you know, I think you know maybe a little injury there too, but I think at this point it's, I, I think it is more he's just kind of sitting out. He's told him that he, he's gone. I would be surprised if he's back at UCLA. There was already some rumors like before the season even started that he wasn't real happy. And then to be kind of yo-yoed back and forth like that, I feel like he is going to be in the transfer portal. And he'll be a name that's pretty highly sought after, to be honest. I mean, if he wants to go home to Michigan, they're going to be in need of a quarterback. Uh, you know, if it, he was originally recruited to Oregon. They're going to be losing Bo Nix. He could go in there and compete uh, again with uh, Austin Novosad. There's going to be a number of other teams that are going to need quarterbacks too. Florida State will be losing one, and they'll still have some high hopes. Alabama potentially. Uh, there's going to be a lot of other names in in the transfer quarterback hunt. So he will have plenty of suitors, I think. Uh, but like you highlighted, just a lot of turnovers, a lot of freshman mistakes low completion percentage there. And that's kind of what we thought was going to be his strong suit was his mind. And, you know, the way he was able to anticipate throws in, in high school. And we didn't see a ton of that in college up to this point. So I think wherever he goes, he's going to need a strong supporting cast with him and an offense that's going to let him 
be more of a point guard, going to distribute the ball a little bit more. I don't really think that's necessarily what Chip Kelly and that offense like to do quite as much. Um, so I, I, I was always curious about the fit there, but I think we're going to get to see him in a different offense uh, this upcoming year because I think he's going to put it in the portal. Yeah, that would be the hope is that he can just get a start over in his sophomore season and that he finds him a spot where they build around him and they uh, the OC knows how to work his strong suits. Um, and it could be, you know, um, <laughs> uh, it could be coming from, you know, a, uh, a Michigan, you know, compared to like a Texas football and stuff like that at a high school. Maybe the learning curve, even in the Pac-12, might have been a bit different and stuff like that. But Who's to say that maybe, I don't know, it's just the freshman jitters and stuff like that. So that could be the case where maybe he just needs to, you know, find him a school that really loves him for him, goes around him and kind of does his strong suits. And so hopefully that'll be the case for sure. Yeah. Sorry about the the dog barking there. Um, but I, I think my QB one in the class and a lot of us over at Campus of Canton had, you know, we were very high on Dante Moore, but our QB one, most of us was Malachi Nelson. Right. We've not seen a lot of him this year, but with the way USC has looked down the stretch uh, with potential, you know, Caleb could potentially hang it up. I don't, I, I would be surprised if Caleb plays in a bowl game. You know, he probably finishes out right. the regular season. We'll see how that shakes out, but I'll be surprised if he plays in the bowl game, but Malachi Nelson, maybe we get to see him there. Uh, I think he, he could be a really good fit in Lincoln Riley's offense uh, what were your thoughts here on uh, on Malachi Nelson and, and his projection moving forward in that Lincoln Riley offense? I still think it still stands. I feel like he um, there's not really like, you know, Zach Moss didn't really shine bright enough to really be like, oh, well, he's the next one. There still will be a competition, but I think it's Malachi's show. And especially with the weapons around him and hit one of his best friends who actually, you know, thought we were, he was moving to a different uh, position, but I actually has done pretty decent. So with Makai kind of going, you know, not being a year one zero, Zach, uh, Zachariah Branch immediately just shines bright, basically. So there's a lot of opportunity for him. And uh, like you were saying, I think Caleb's just over this back and forth of like losing four straight, winning like five straight. Like he's just over no defense. He needs probably just ready to go to the NFL and, and, and put his, you know, his, his skill set to the level and stuff like that, that he needs to go. So who winds up being the number one pick? Uh, I don't know. After these past couple of weeks, I'm not sure. So NFL's <laughs> is shaping up to be interesting with all these draft picks. Right. So, um, so maybe Caleb might have his pick of the litter. We'll see how it goes, but I think Malachi is still in the same boat. Um, his, his draft stock still there. Same thing with Nico. Um, I feel like they're both just waiting in the wings and then we see the breakouts here in their sophomore seasons i'm not sure did you see anything where they redshirted would they be considered redshirt freshmen both nico and in malachi right malachi will malachi's only played in one game so far one for three um so 33 zero yards to that one completion didn't go anywhere uh miller moss seems to be the backup which i think most of us would have expected coming into the year given that miller moss has been in that system for you know three years now uh, i would have expect i've been surprised if malachi was able to overtake him in the season to be the backup uh it'll be a competition in the spring i think between nelson and moss but nelson was one of the most accurate quarterbacks i've seen uh coming out of high school um so i i think malachi nelson is going to be a good fit in that system i think he'll overtake Miller Moss, but it's far from a certain thing. And we'll see probably M- Moss, I would think, in the bowl game. We'll, we'll see what he yeah, does. You could go half and half with with uh, different halves. We'll see. Yeah. 
and then the last guy in tier one we had was arch manning we have not seen him at all this year again kind of to be expected especially with uh, playoff hopes that texas still has quinn ewers right. is back healthy now we saw some Mal malik murphy i think we saw enough of malik murphy to not be overly concerned with him being a blockade for arch right. manning but quinn ewers hasn't had the year that we thought he would Quinn Ewers, at this point, I would expect he would return. It's uh, still up in the air. He could still come out for sure. Uh, I don't think there's a solidified QB3 in this class yet. J.J. McCarthy seems to be taking the mantle of that, at least right. in terms of a lot of the draft Knicks, especially um, Dane Brugler had him ranked fairly highly. But if Quinn Ewers comes back, Arch Manning's going to have to sit for another year or transfer. And I don't know how much he's going to want to sit for another year. I don't think it's necessarily a problem, but if you invested a draft pick in him and you got to wait for two years now, you're probably not overly happy. Right. Especially in CFF dynasty with a limited amount of time, same thing in C2C. You're hoping for a three year stint. Now you're with two. Hopefully they're a dynamic two years. If he does stay at Texas to where like it's worth the time that you wait on him, stuff like that. Or it could be an opportunity where you might be able to sell someone on that. Like, Hey man, you can get a solid two years. Let me get a higher draft pick for your uh, freshman and supplementals and stuff like that in particular. So that could be an option for you as far as strategy um, or a way to kind of maybe move up and get like a higher tier NFL quarterback. If you're doing, you know, a uh, league to league trade, things like that in particular as well. I don't know, man. It's like um, they talked to his grandfather and he says he likes it because, you know, he can develop under Sark. There's a full year. Um, and then his dad's like, he was losing his, you know, his, his little ID and things like that. Like <laughs> yep. he was like, just, you know, getting used to being a freshman in, in college versus being the man in high school. Right. It's a big transition. So, um, so he, you know, Cooper was all for it too, but there's a lot of manning money that goes into behind that too. And then, uh, you know, for the sake of the family, I don't know if, if say guys like Peyton and, uh, and Eli who have their own show wouldn't be like, Hey man, this is putting a little bit of damper on our name. Maybe we should see <laughs> about him transferring out. Uh, I hear depending on what's going on. Cause I hear, uh, was it Texas A&M? They they're looking at lane. They're looking at a few other guys as far as the head coaching position. So depending um, where Lane either stays or goes, uh, there is talk of a Mississippi transfer possibly, especially if Dart, um, you know, if they're over that or they want to try something, if they want to put the Manning name to the Mississippi University again, there's no way he goes to Tennessee. Nico would take, I think he would take that over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, don't go to Tennessee. Don't go where, where Peyton is. Don't wear the same number. Like, so I think that's why he went to Texas to begin with. But Who's to say, you know, that he uh, that he doesn't leave, basically, depending on the pressure of the Manning family, basically, is where where that lies to. But sounds like the dad and uh, grandpa are all for it. So we'll see, man. But like uh, he's a Manning, so he, he'll probably want to compete against Malik. And Malik is, you know, uh, he's he's good. He's decent. Uh, I don't think he's anything to write home about personally all the time. He's, he's not that elite quarterback that. We thought Malik Murphy possibly could be. So who's to say he doesn't, you know, take the whole year and then comes out guns blazing. And all of a sudden we see a new Arch Manning who's not looking weird or not losing <laughs> his ID, you know, things like that. So it's your decision. But uh, I would be I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if maybe there was a transfer. So, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the other interesting stories to watch this offseason. Dante Moore, Arch Manning, probably two of the biggest quarterback names that we'll want to keep an eye on this offseason. Uh, there are tier two of our recruiting ranking our recruiting team rankings we had um jackson arnold and nico yamalieva uh who you had mentioned previously at, at oklahoma and tennessee respectively then we have sam levitt 
quarterback at Michigan State, who's gotten a little bit of time this year. Uh, he went 15 for 23, 65% completion percentage, 139 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But he is reportedly done. They want to redshirt him, save his redshirt. Smart. Um, then we had Lincoln Kineholtz, uh, quarterback at Ohio State, and Avery Johnson, the quarterback at uh, Kansas State. Now, you mentioned Nico. We'll give you a start there. I mean, we saw a little bit of him. We played in that UConn game right. a couple two weeks ago. Uh, 7 of 14, 50% completion percentage, 97 yards and a touchdown. Not too much to take away from that, but right. that Tennessee offense hasn't looked quite as good as it did the year before. And it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle like to that extent twice, but this is a high-paced offense. This is a typically explosive offense for fantasy purposes, and it has been definitely disappointing with right. Joe Milton under the helm. Uh, I mean, he's done after this year. Nico presumably should be the guy who steps in and takes over. Do we think Nico can lead that Tennessee offense back to the heights that we saw before? Right. Yeah, so that's the concern. It's like you wait a year for Nico, right? And you're like, finally, he's going to get the helm. We get the high-octane Tennessee. But then Milton, Squirrel White hasn't been seen for a lot of weeks. There's, you know, there's just a lot of back and forth. There's now all of a sudden, is this a run team? Like, like what what is Tennessee up to? Like, what identity are they trying to have? And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's Heifel trying to figure out the pieces that he has. And maybe he's trying to adapt, I guess, considering maybe to Bazooka Joe and, Seeing, you know, all right, maybe Milton's not living up to what we thought so, so maybe we need to change the offense for this year. So the hope is that maybe this weird situation in Tennessee just kind of fixes itself when Nico takes charge. Now we have the weapons in place. We have Leacock and those guys waiting in the wings as far as like wide receivers and, you know, running scat backs and running backs that he can throw to. So hopefully it changes and they kind of go back to their ways and stuff like that. But it would be very uh, heartbreaking to see a change as far as complete style and offense. And then you wait a year on a guy like Nico and Nico has been taken a lot as the one one and especially in CFF dynasty and stuff like that. So that's a high price to pay uh, knowing that you may have to trade to get a second or third round and lose some of your draft stock that you picked up originally. So here's to hoping that maybe it's just the people that are in play now and maybe next year they get back to where they were going. Yeah, I think, you know, Joe, Joe Milton definitely had some some proponents this year, uh, but I was not really one of them. Um, I was never the biggest Joe Milton fan. So I think Nico can do better than what Milton did. You know, maybe it ends up being we see him a little bit towards the end of the year here. Who knows with Tennessee really out of the playoff picture? They're still fighting for, you know, a, a nice bowl game. Um, they that lost to Missouri definitely hurts, but um you know, they're still fighting for a bowl game, so we'll see how much we see him towards the end of the year. But sounds like it's going to be his team moving forward. Uh, another guy that we've seen a lot of this year is Avery Johnson, and yeah. quarterback at Kansas State. And perhaps surprisingly to at least me, I was not expecting him to really get on the field much uh, as a true freshman. I mean, they have uh, Will Howard there who has looked good uh, at times, you know, yeah. a little shaky stretches in the middle there but uh overall i think he's looked fairly solid at least as a especially as a uh, college quarterback you know we'll see how the nfl views howard but that's going to be play a big role in the perception of avery, avery johnson moving forward i mean so far this year uh passing numbers have been solid for avery johnson 23 of 35 65.7 percent completion percentage 301 yards three touchdowns no picks but it's really what he's been able to do on the ground 45 right. carries, 225 yards, and six touchdowns. 
so he's been electric on the ground, and that's kind of what we always thought he could be. But if Will Howard returns, we have another year of just pa- sub packages for Avery Johnson, where he's running around on the ground and uh, doing all everything in that regard, but not really developing too much as a passer. So I think this is going to be another interesting guy to watch this offseason is does Howard leave? Does Howard return? And how does that impact Avery Johnson, who's one of the highest rated recruits that Kansas State has ever gotten? And I believe the highest rated quarterback that they've ever gotten. Yeah, Uh, I mean, coming into the season, we thought Avery Johnson was like one of those stash guys like, yeah, you're going to get two years because Will Howard is in front of him. We saw Howard against Alabama in the bowl game. You know, we saw Deuce Vaughn, all those guys that were there. Um, they still have Ben Sinat, who's been excellent, who can plug as a tight end, even though he doesn't play like one half the time, which is a nice cheat code. So, I mean, Kansas State's got some good um, some good weapons, and then they still got Brooks on the wings, who's very hit or miss recently, but, I mean, he's a solid wide receiver. So, uh, but now it seems like this might be a competition more than what we thought of just a, hey, Avery Johnson, you're going to get two years, you know, good luck type situation. Now it's like, I don't know, uh, if they can still keep this going the way that Johnson's going and use his – run pass capability i meant you know the scouting team loved him we saw it on the official avery johnson was on there so the cool to see from high school and talking to him in high school now to see it translate also on the field here at the college level it seems like avery johnson was able to adapt to the college uh speed a lot faster than maybe some of the other quarterbacks that we thought that was ahead of him that could be even better i mean some of these guys haven't uh, i'm a big proponent i love jackson arnold for next year especially with the way that gabriel and all those guys are playing uh, so i mean i'm stoked for jackson arnold so whoever got him in dynasty or supplemental or freshman drafts like that's a that's a sweet plug and play for next year but avery johnson might have the opportunity to push will howard maybe out of into a transfer portal situation or maybe they might uh go a different route because johnson's more explosive on the ground that gives you more of that lamar feel like louisville if you can work around him uh man that could be explosive and they're they've proven it some with a lot of these games that they're winning so yeah and i think kansas state's coaching staff is going to be one to keep an eye on too with some sure. of these vacancies yeah. opening up I, I i think you could see um chris Kleiman or colin klein end up somewhere else I, I don't know exactly where i haven't really heard too many rumors yet but you know it's, it's still early in the cycle we have a couple of you know, we, we have a, a job like texas a&m that came open um you know boise state i think would be a step down so i wouldn't see Kleiman going there but maybe colin klein wants to be a head coach and maybe they offer him uh he sticks around in the midwest area if Kleiman leaves um I think that could be an interesting story there to watch as well. And and that would obviously impact Avery Johnson and how he, uh, what his decision is as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, you highlighted Jackson Arnold there. And I think that was a, a great shout out. He's looked, uh, he, his numbers are impressive overall 13 of 15, 86.7% completion percentage, 169 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no picks the 12 carries 54 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, Dalen Gabriel does technically have another year left. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see what that staff does with that decision. Cause I think Arnold is, is the future of that position. Do they just kind of push Gabriel out and say, thank you. Or, or how do they handle that one? That'll be an interesting yeah. story as well. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain they're going to be like, Gabriel, bro, you're, you thank you. You're thank you for coming here, but we got a five-star guy. That's going to be a, an absolute stud and we need to play him ASAP. So this might be, I don't even think Gabriel transfers. I think he'll probably just take a shot at the NFL. If I'm guessing, uh, I would probably lean on whatever Mr. Nate Marquise might have to say about that. So, yeah, Nate is, is our residential Oklahoma guy. He's pretty plugged right. in over there. Uh, so we'll have to check in with him 
couple times in the offseason, see what's going on with that. Uh, but speaking of, you know, five-star freshman phenom, we got uh, the running back, uh, mm-hmm. C.J. Baxter. He was our only tier one running back uh, for the recruiting team this year. Uh, he's gotten on the field already, 87 carries, 390 yards, three touchdowns, 12 catches, 63 yards. Uh, so nothing really to write home about there. But uh, unfortunately, Jonathan Brooks did just tear his ACL. That's unfortunate. Uh, very, very unfortunate for him. His status is probably going to be up in the air, whether he declares, whether he comes back, who's to say. But CJ Baxter has a golden opportunity here to step in uh, down the stretch and be the guy. Uh, and I think this is kind of what we all wanted to see was him in this Texas offense and how good he can be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm gracious for that for Baxter to get the opportunity now to really see if he could be a true, you know, one, they still got blue. So, I mean, like it's going to be Texas has weapons galore, but it would be good to see Baxter back into a more prominent role. It sucks for Brooks, man. Cause he, he was, he was, I mean, hopefully he still gets drafted and maybe they'll take a chance, but I think this dings his draft stop because he was putting up some awesome show. And I think Brooks was going to be one of those guys that was going to project maybe even better than Roshan Johnson did. And he went to the bears, you know, fairly early. So now that he's banged up, he might drop a little bit, but Jonathan Brooks would be a guy, especially um, if you, if you are still playing like a dynasty in NFL and you're, you know, separating them from the the college side and stuff like that. Brooks might be a guy that you could catch, kind of like we talked about Canton Bound, like the third or fourth rounders where you can snag him up for, you know, a little bit less than what you would have to pay for him, usually in rookie drafts, and maybe be able to sit on him and see what happens and how the depth chart plays out. So hopefully he heals up fast so he can be in preseason, stuff like that. But um, but this gives C4 an opportunity to really do his thing and kind of do it like uh, – just like you said, like he was tier one for me. Like he just stood out even over Hayes, um, who I really liked. And, you know, but we all knew him and Richard Young were going to run into the problem of um, Alabama plays their seniors and their juniors, and they really don't give a lot of the youngsters play, even though Saban does love Hayes. So I am excited about that for next year um, if Hayes stays. But, um, man, with Baxter, this gives him an opportunity to really show out and uh, show Coach uh, that he is a little bit better than Blue. And Blue was a good standout for us last year. I believe he was, what, our Tier 2 or something like that? Or Yeah, he was in our Tier 1 in, in his okay. freshman class as well. So yeah. two Tier 1s battling it out for supremacy. Or they might just split it up and do it where it's just Baxter and Blue, and they just split it in the middle versus Brooks getting a lot of the run earlier in the season. So, um, But – I love Baxter, man. He's so explosive. He's so he lives up to his hype. So I'm uh, hoping that he stays healthy and he can put up some good tape here near the end of the season. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep it. Be keeping an eye on him down the stretch. Um, moving into our tier two running backs that we had uh, in the guide, we had Justice Haynes, guy Alabama, the guy you were talking about there, and Richard Young, his counterpart. Uh, both of them were in our tier two. We have Roderick Robinson, the running back at Georgia. Ruben Owens, the running back at Texas A&M. Both of those guys have gotten a little bit of run. 17 carries for both of them. Um, two touchdowns for both of them. Uh, Cam Seldon, the wide receiver uh, running back hybrid who seems to be playing running back. Gotten very minimal run this year. Nine carries, 40 yards. Uh, then we had Kedrick Riscano, uh, who we were a big fan of. We were higher on him than the services for sure. He was in our tier two, the running back at Ole Miss. Has not seen the field this year so far uh, ulysses bentley has looked better than anticipated yeah he came back from the dead so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah not not was not on my bingo card was like, neither man Bentley coming back but uh then we had jeremiah love the running back at notre dame who's had a nice little stretch uh this season 45 carries 284 yards and a touchdown seven catches 64 yards 
Caleb Jackson, the running back at LSU, gotten a little bit of run as well. 24 carries, 126 yards, three touchdowns, five catches, 40 yards. Um, Dontavious DJ Braswell at South Carolina, a uh, very minimal run here this year, 10 carries, two catches. Caden Feagan uh, was the last one that we had in our tier two, which we were definitely higher on him than, than the services. Uh, yep. 95 carries, 438 yards, two touchdowns this year, nine catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, let's start with Feagan here. I mean, he looks like the the prototypical Brett Bielema running back. Seems yep. like the kind of guy that they're going to want to run. Uh, and then Reggie Love came back this week, and he uh, siphoned off a, a decent amount of carries here. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts with Feagan here moving forward uh, the rest of this year and then even into the into next year as well? Yeah, I think he's earned his playing time. Even if you know Love comes back, it might be. I mean, most of this college, it's mainly committee. There's only a few teams that are still got a bell cow or someone has transcended over the other or something like that. So I think Vegan's done really well. He's the guy that slumped under my radar, so I didn't even have him at Tier 2 or anything like that. Like, I just thought he was just one of the boys, if that makes sense, you know? So it's cool to see him be able to break out. I mean, he had the opportunity. We knew, like, if all these uh, running backs went down, that Illinois, especially with the Bielema system, it's just run the ball as hard as you can go. And then Isaiah Williams. So basically that would be about it for Illinois system. Uh, shout out to Tommy DeVito for I mean, getting some yeah. time touchdowns. <laughs> uh, guy transferred to Illinois. So, I mean, there's some quarterback love there for for NFL. But, um, man, I like Feeton a lot, man. Just be able to catch out the backfield. I like the, the additional, you know, fantasy points that you're getting out of that route also it looks like he can carry the load you know perfectly well if given the opportunity so um does love have another year does he have an opportunity i think he does i believe yeah. he has another year and then mccray missed this entire year so he'll oh, have a red shirt McCray. here if he wants to come back as well Ooh, that is going to be a battle for the ages in the offseason um one of those is probably transferring out of there so we'll see how it goes that'll be one to watch man but if he can, can uh, battle out and win the starting spot man that is fantasy gold for cff for sure um also let's talk about you want to talk about jeremiah love real quick as well yeah Absolutely. Uh, so Love has been doing pretty good, man. Uh, me and Corey talked about him on an episode when we were talking about the running backs and yep. at the higher tier. And they said he had the best hands as far as the, the rest of them there, as far as the running backs, including Baxter and things like that. So um, so the fact that he is getting not a whole lot, but when, when the, some of the run that he is getting, you know, seven catches for 64 yards, man, that's like a that's a good fantasy day. Uh, what if he does that and he does, you know, the the running that he's getting with the rotation and stuff like that? Um, that's that's fantastic, man. So I'm, I was a big proponent of love. A lot of uh, Corey was concerned about his, you know, his weight and his his height and things like that. And I understand, especially from a, a Devi level and things like that, for sure. But he is showing out when the opportunities that he's getting. And it's good. I mean, we don't have Hartman next year, so that'll be a, an interesting change. But I mean, they got uh, they still got uh, the freshman that's coming in too. So I mean, he's uh, Minchie, yep, yeah, Minchie is a is a good dude. Sorry, uh, Austin, that you lost him from Pitt, but uh, <laughs> you know he made the right decision with Notre Dame. But uh, <laughs> but Minchie next year and Love, that's a nice little one-two combo. We'll talk about another wide receiver that busted out the first three games and haven't seen since, but Hey, he's a freshman too. So they got a lot of pieces that are young. I like Freeman, regardless of what people, you know, say that it's hit or miss or whatever. As long as Freeman's there as the, uh, the coach, I like the opportunity for love for sure. Agreed. And I think Audric Estime has really been the workhorse this yeah. year at the beginning of the year where Notre Dame had, you know, some of their softer games like Navy, 
they were rotating the backs a decent amount. And that's kind of Jeremiah Love got some work in that stretch there. But down the stretch, it's really been estimated. But I imagine he's going to parlay this big season into some sort of NFL draft capital, especially given how weak this running back class is. And with Brooks's injury, there could potentially be he could potentially come back. We could lose another guy in this class. Uh, so it, it could get even softer. I think Estime would be smart to take this opportunity and come out, which would leave a nice opportunity for Love to step in and take on a big chunk of the workload next year. They don't really have anybody else there that's, you know, w- would worry me that much. Jabran Payne is there who transferred in from Indiana, but he's just kind of a big body guy. Um, he's nothing really special. And then you also have, um, Oh, well, the guy who's escaping me towards Achilles or towards ACL last year in uh, the spring. Um, but also Darian see, Price. Yeah, Darian Price, Price. Yeah, Price is there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see Love, like if they can move him into a, a Chris Tyree situation where it's like you got a lot of running backs, so let's use them. And if they got the catching ability, let's put him in a slot. Let's put him on the outside every once in a while and get him some looks there to go with Great House and the, the rest of those guys. I meant that would be a good opportunity if he's got some of the best hands as a running back coming in. Use those to your advantage, man. Yeah. I mean, I think Notre Dame can always use more receiving help. Yes. Uh, that. That, that passing game this year has kind of stalled and then let them down a little bit, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate, but cause I had some, some hopes for uh, Jaden Greathouse. Like we'll talk yes. about him in a little bit. Uh, but was there anybody else here in this tier two uh, that you really wanted to highlight and, and mention uh, before we move on to the wide receivers in our top? I just want to bring up uh Riscano real quick. I just want to, I mean, and yes, it's a letdown because he had the opportunity, you know, when there were some injuries, but yet he never saw the field. Like I said, Bentley out of nowhere. I don't know if that was like Kiffin's like, let's just take the upperclassman. He's only here like an extra year or whatever. But what are your thoughts there, man? Do you think like he's just biding his time? Should he still stay at Ole Miss? Should he transfer out? Like, I think Judkins has got what, last year, next year, and that's it. And then he's NFL bound. So. And Judkins is going to be one of those guys we actually, you know, as long as he stays the course, he's a guy that we're going to look at as far as NFL wise that we want to have as far as a, a draft pick or, or, you know, when you're moving over with the supplementals and stuff like that. So but what about Roscano, man? Do you think uh, it's worth it for him to stay at Ole Miss or do you think he gets out of there or because Bentley's gone and then Judkins got one more year? Why not stay? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think w- Bentley, we weren't really didn't really see him coming, uh, but I believe he's out of eligibility. Yeah. He should be senior, senior, like a true senior. Yeah, I, I believe he's out of eligibility, uh, which would pave a, you know a path for Riscano that we thought he was going to get this year. It's just a year later. I think the big question with Riscano and and honestly that whole team is Kiffin uh, with Texas A and M coming open. He's a name I've heard floated out there a little bit as a potential replacement at A and M, uh, and if he goes, it's just it's going to be the Wild West at, at Ole Miss. It's going to be really hard to predict who's going to stick around, who's going to enter into the portal. So it's a little bit of an unstable situation right now, but I would stay the course with Riscano. I think he is going to be in line for some work next year uh, at Ole Miss, assuming Kiffin can hopefully stay. Uh, So I I haven't given up on Riscano. Yeah, it's just disappointing that Bentley decided just to, you know, play football again, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, usually I thought he'd given up, so... (laughs) Yeah, we'll move into the wide receivers here. We had four uh, tier one wide receivers. And honestly, there's a fifth one that I had in my tier one. um, But 
we did not have him ranked quite as highly and then spring happened and, and he i'm sure for our recruiting team would have vaulted up into that tier one but uh our tier one guys were zachariah branch jonte cook uh makai lemon and brandon innis um, branch at usc cook texas lemon usc innis at ohio state uh, we'll start off with zachariah branch the cream of the crop here it broke mm -hmm. all eight year one zero categories He's had a fantastic year so far, been dynamic anytime he's touched the ball. Uh, he looks like he could be the real deal in this offense. Yeah, he's so explosive. And then having guys like Malachi Nelson, I meant it sounds like he's the guy. I don't know if I don't know if uh, we're going to see a transfer come in or anything like that. I think it's just going to kind of stay the course and kind of keep on going. So with Nelson's capabilities, with Branch's capabilities, and now even Makai Lemon, who's actually hit the the – uh, broke the year one zero as well so and we thought lemon was going to wind up at the defensive place so it's like <laughs> so there was a worry there was yeah worry. there was there was like a talk and i'm just like what and they're like yeah there's a post and they put it up in the in the chat i'm just like man no man <laughs> not makai uh but it's good to see that usc's offense for years to come is alive and well we all know branch was going to he was the he was the Luther burden of this year as far as like being able to just break out, break all the barriers down quickly and become a guy that people are talking about in their freshman year. And they're already talking about him getting to the NFL as soon as possible. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see branch for probably the next two years. And then he's gone to the NFL as long as injury and stuff like that stays away. Um, also, Jonte Cook, that was another one that I was really, really hoping was going to get more time, but I am glad he broke all the, the the year one zeros and stuff like that. I know that was Austin's guy. I was also mine, actually. It was really hard because I was debating between Branch and Cook. Um, so as it played out, of course, Branch gets the job done quickly and uh, looks to be the standout. But Cook also looks like a guy, if this is Arch's team in the next year or so, this is a fantastic wide receiver to chunk it to. So um, I love that Cook hit it. And then, uh, you know, the other guy, Ennis, man, like it's just the uh, they don't they don't do the hockey rotation anymore. Like me and Bruning were talking about um, when we talked about the Ohio State offense. It's just and now it's looking like Ryan Day's just sticking with his upperclassmen or the guys that are just proved their worth. Um, you still see a few of them bust out every once in a while and get on the field for a play or two and stuff like that. But um, I mean, he's he's gotten a touchdown, so it's good. But as, I think that was one of those games where they were just up big and stuff like that. And they were able to kind of do the whole hockey swap out between that one as well. Um, so, you know, I would still hold on to Ennis. I wouldn't be too freaked out about that. I think it's his, his time to shine him and, court, uh, and our other guy, Mr. Tate, as well. So I think they'll just be fine. And then they're going to be the guys we're talking about, like Abuka and Marvin Harrison and stuff like that in the next two years. Yeah, I think with Ennis, um, just really his, like you said, they, they haven't really been rotating wide receivers. He's not gotten a lot of snaps out there, but you know, he had that one catch for 58 yards and a touchdown. He got halfway to that year one zero threshold on yardage off of one <laughs> catch. It's going to be really interesting to watch Ohio State down the stretch. If they make the college football playoff, I would be worried about Brandon Innes breaking the year one zero threshold. Yeah. They don't have too many games left uh, that we could see him coming out there. I think uh, they get Michigan in the last week. Uh, so we're not probably not going to see too much of him in that one. And if they make the college football playoff, we won't see him at all. No. If we do, if they do don't make the uh, playoff, we get potentially Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka sitting out. Maybe he's still got a shot at it. So I'm with you. I'm not giving up on Innis yet, but man, it is uh, it's some shaky ground with Innis in that year one zero threshold for sure. Mm -hmm. I still people shouldn't play into that. Like just because he doesn't hit the threshold doesn't mean that he's not. It's just. It's, it's Ohio State. They got a plethora of weapons. 
same thing with John Tate Cook. They just had, you know, Adonai Mitchell. They have a bunch of weapons there at Texas. Just give him a full opportunity and watch him, watch him flourish. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so moving into our tier two, uh, we had a pretty, pretty hefty tier two of wide receivers. So we definitely won't talk about all of them, but uh, we had Jurion Dickey who has no stats this year, still a, a year one zero Cordell Russell, same thing. No stats, still a year one zero Shelton Sampson, same boat, no stats, still year one zero. Um, we have Malik Benson in there, even though he was a Juco transfer, he's got nine catches for 106 yards this year. Uh, hasn't quite done what we would hope out of Benson, but uh, we, a little bit of encouragement, at least to, you know, get breaking a hundred yards. So uh, he did break the year one zero threshold. Uh, Hakeem Williams going to Florida State, uh, four catches, 71 yards and a touchdown, but still a year one zero. Mm. Uh, and then we come into three guys who have broken that threshold so far. Carnell Tate, the guy that uh, the counterpart at Ohio State to Ennis, 16 catches, 254 yards and a touchdown, did break the year one zero, has gotten on the field, kind of been the fourth wide receiver there for Ohio State, him and Xavier Johnson. And then we had Jaden Greathouse, who we alluded to earlier, 12 catches, 166 yards, three touchdowns, did a lot of his damage early in breaking that year one zero threshold, but we have not seen too much of him since. Uh, then we had a guy who just broke it in Jalen Hale, four catches, not 119 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just broke that this past week, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, then we follow up with uh, Noah Rogers and Nathan Leacock, uh, Ohio State and Tennessee, respectively. Both of them, no stats. Both of them still year one zeros. Uh, then we got your, uh, Eugene Wilson at Florida, who has had a very nice year so far. 51 catches, 479 yards, five touchdowns, five carries for 54 yards on the ground as well, using him in all sorts of different ways. He's broken multiple year one zero thresholds. Mm -hmm. uh, Nikolees Harbor, the wide receiver, tight end, defensive lineman, athlete, whatever you want to call him, uh, has broken year one zero as well. 11 catches, 177 yards and a touchdown. Uh, two carries for 10 yards on the year so far. And then DeAndre Moore Jr., the wide receiver at Texas, one target on the year, one kick return, still a year one zero. Um, we'll move into Wilson, though. You know, you, you said he is a stud and he's he's looked good this year. He has sort of overtaken Ricky Pearsall as the wide receiver one there. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts uh, with, with uh, Wilson uh, moving forward? Yeah, so one we didn't have this in our bingo card that, you know, Graham Mertz out of all people in Florida was going to be able to pass like this. So, um, you know, we left people like Pearsall for dead. Um, we left <laughs> all these wide receivers like, Hey, let's just call them what they are is the, uh, just the, not a year. They're just a year one zero. Let's just hope for a better quarterback. But sure enough, Florida is, is, is pushing it down the field, man. Um, I, I play Pearsall quite a bit in CFF, especially this year, especially in redraft and CFF. So it's been like it's been where like Wilson will break out for the game and then Pearsall will have like a solid one but that one. And then the next one, Pearsall will have the more yards and then Wilson's right under it. But it's a nice one two combo. It's just nice to see Florida being able to hold more than just one wide receiver as far as fantasy relevant and being able to pass against sec uh and especially the conferences and people that they played and stuff like that so um i mean ug wilson like he was like one of those guys where he just he got forgotten a lot just because of yeah. the great houses and the tapes and stuff like that so he fell under the radar like i was trying to grab harbor um you know a lot of people want leacock because he was at tennessee things like that so it's like 
he kind of went under the radar because he was going to Florida. So immediately we're all like, ew, that's nasty. Let's not deal with it. Sorry, Alfred. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, shout out to Florida for, I don't know, I guess uh, Sunbelt Billy was fearing for his job and his opportunity. So he's like, well, maybe if I bust out the offensive plays that I learned there in the Sunbelt, maybe I can, uh, you know, keep my job a little bit longer and have more recruits because they got lagway next year too. Um, it was Mertz Jr. Mertz is a true senior, right? So he's gone. I- I think he has another year if he wants it because he was there in the COVID year. So I could see him sticking around. Any NFL opportunity for Mertz, you take it now. (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. So Mertz, just go away so we can get lagway. But, hey, it's cool to see. You know, so, like, it's good to see Wilson. It's good to see. I think Pearsall is a senior, so you don't have to worry about Pearsall. So now the other freshman that's there, I forget his name. Um, The one that was, I think, Mizell. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. whoever, Aiden, or, yeah, (laughs) Mizell. He looks promising, too. It's just, you know, Pearsall is a senior, and he's, you know, a veteran. He's a good target. So it's like, you know, with him out of the way, now it opens up to a sophomore or redshirt freshman, Mizell, to kind of help out Wilson. And Wilson kind of being the wide receiver one and the stud you want to focus on, basically, for – for your CFF and then moving him over to your NFL side. So shout out to Eugene Wilson for uh, proving us all wrong, basically, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, tier two in the, in our uh, guide uh, for, by our recruiting team there for the freshmen. So, you know, they were, they were on him early, but he was definitely under the radar. Um, another guy that uh, we were on pretty early in the process, Jaden Greathouse. We talked about him a little bit uh, earlier in the show uh, started off the year really well and then has really just kind of fizzled out. I think a lot of that has resulted from him moving out of the slot uh, yeah. where they started him early in the year. And that kind of highlights one of the bigger questions we had about him was his level of athleticism. You know, can he do it on the outside? Does he have to be a big slot type of a guy? I think he's going to be a really interesting um, case moving forward. Breaking year one zero, obviously a definitely a positive sign. But the slowdown from him has to be a little bit concerning, right? It is, yeah. Like to break out in like game one, and we were just going nuts in the Slack chat. The Great House was just popping off for like one, what a touchdown, and then he went for two. I think the next game or something. Like he broke yep. one. He was one of the first ones to break year one zero. So, um, and so we're all like, well what you know like how is this possible and then he moves around because of the you know the injuries and stuff like that so now he gets moved to the outside a little bit more and it seems like i don't know maybe he's lost favor with uh with sam i don't know what's the deal there um maybe it was just like freeman's like we got to use some of these other weapons or they just got to the point where like let's just feed estimate we need him you know to get you know push the narrative wear down the defenses and that helps estimate his draft stock but great house like his knock was like he had a limited route tree so it's one of those things where like he needs to improve his speed in the offseason he needs to be able to transition into an outside wide receiver because he's so big why not be the prominent you know down the field guy but if you can play out the slot i mean the slot's like an easy way to for targets and an easy way to get those yards and, and catch it up and then so it was good to see in the first stages. I mean, it was promising, but it seems like he's, I don't know if he's digressed per se, as whereas it just seems like maybe they, he's just there as like a, a target or like a, you know, just an opportunity for them to decoy or for, for a reason or something like that. So let's hope that he just, you know, he progresses in the offseason there at Notre Dame that he works on his, his route tree and then his speed and stuff like that and see if he can break open and get some more separation. Cause I think that's his biggest thing. The more that he separates, the better opportunity that Minchie will have next year to kind of get it to him. So. Yeah. 
For sure. And then uh, the last guy I want to highlight here is uh, Jalen Hale, the wide receiver at Alabama who just broke that year one zero threshold. Uh, obviously, Alabama's passing attack has been a little disappointing to start the year. They've picked it up a little bit more recently here with Bond and Hale and even and Burton as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burton probably parlaying this season into the NFL, I would imagine. And that opens up the opportunity for Hale to potentially step in as the wide receiver, too, on this Alabama um, passing attack, you know, he'll, it'll be him bond potentially Benson as well. We'll see how that shakes out. But, um, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hale, uh, and his potential moving forward at Alabama? Yeah. So Jalen Hale is another like middle of the road, you know, like tier four, like kind of like tucked in there with Eugene Wilson, where it's like talent was there. It looked good on, you know, the, the high school tape and stuff like that. It's just, it looks like we thought, you know, maybe he's just going to get buried this year with Malik Benson, who really hasn't been as, that one, I, you know, we all thought that Bomb was going to be like some type of speedster or something like that, that he was going to be in play. Uh, but now with Burton kind of resurfacing and stuff like that and, and you know, pulling a Ulysses Bentley where he just comes back to life as like a CFF asset. So um, so that's there. And then also with I think it looks like Milrow is more comfortable. It's almost like he's, he knows it's his team now. You can see like more of a boost in the confidence in, in Jalen Milrow versus, you know, previous weeks, especially in the early stages and stuff like that. So it's good to see them finally starting, I guess, to gel when they needed to the most, especially with the playoffs on the line. And where they got to do, I know they got Georgia coming up here soon. So that'll be a battle royale and that'll shake up the uh, the standings and stuff like that. We'll see. Um, so Hale next year looks great, man. He was just one of those guys that went on the radar because he was just another guy at Alabama, basically, if that made sense. Just like UG Wilson was like, you let's not touch Florida until they get a good quarterback in. And, you know, we, we were proven wrong. So shout out to Jalen Hale for uh, starting to play, man. Uh, also shout out to Jared when we did the episode. Jared was the one that actually pointed out that he actually liked Jalen Hale uh, as okay. far as an option. So shout out to Jared. Got to give him some love there because he was the one that was like, I really like Jalen Hale out of the wide receivers this coming year. And I was like, okay, that's actually, you know, that's pretty cool, man. So I thought that was good that he pointed it out. And I do like Hale foot forward, man. Um, and Alabama's always going to get these wide receivers and running backs and, you know, guys like that are high caliber. They're not going to come in, but it looks like Hale's starting to finally carve his way into the lineup and kind of being a, a normal guy that we see on the field a lot. Yeah. I think the hope is he can avoid the uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh path where he (laughs) kind of breaks out a little bit as a freshman and then just fades into oblivion right so it'll be something to watch out for uh we'll move into our next group here uh and we'll just hit some of these names here quickly our tier three at the quarterback position uh in the freshman guide uh some guys that we were definitely higher on than the services like aiden childs and at at oregon state and lenoris sellers uh at um south carolina Two guys who have looked pretty pretty good so far this season. Aiden Childs, 23 of 33, 69.7% completion percentage, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and doing it on the ground as well with 16 carries, 88 yards, three touchdowns. I think my big concern with Aiden Childs is, you know, obviously he seems to be the successor to DJU moving forward. Um, Aiden Childs probably takes over at Oregon State next year, but where's Oregon State playing football? That's right. My biggest question with this. I think they're the lone what Pac-12 team that hasn't signed. I think everyone else was like, hey, let's go to the yep. ACC. And the ACC's like, no, nah, Oregon State, we're good, bro. Um, yeah, Oregon I don't State know. and Washington State. Yeah, so now they're, I don't know, maybe they go independent with Notre Dame. Maybe we see that one. Maybe, I don't know, they find their way into a conference. Mount West, so. uh, yeah. Mount West would be great. Uh, if they want to stay in the FBS, they'll, they'll figure it out, basically. That's the goal. Um, so it depends on the competition. Who's to say that maybe they play against – 
weaker competition maybe in the Mountain West. And now we have a even more breakout season for Chow. So he he's worth the draft pick that you picked up for him and stuff like that. So that's good. Um, I'm really big on sellers, man. Like that's a what a stud, dude. Like when he, when we were talking about him and then talking to Moxley, man, like I was just hoping that Rattler was just going to be like, all right, I'm out. Like, I can't play football anymore, whatever the case may be. Or maybe he was going to be like, I'm going to get ready for the NFL because I'm going to need the rest of the season to do it and just let this be Sellers' team because they they fly when Sellers is out there, dude. It's just a whole nother situation. And, I, you know, it is Beamer. So, I mean, like, it, there is that offense and the system that's put into place. So, I still think it's that, too. But, I don't know, something about Sellers and the way he commands the field and the way that he sees the people that he's targeting, stuff like that, I'm really a big proponent of Lenore Sellers, especially – next year if he he is the one that does in fact take over yeah i think the thing with sellers and childs both is the threat that they bring on the ground that's going to be should be great for cff for the fantasy purposes mm -hmm. uh especially if childs ends up in the mountain west i mean i think he could just tear them apart him right. and and oregon state's team like oregon state is way above the level of mountain west football um mm -hmm. they're they're a good team and and aiden childs could be really good for fantasy. Lenora Sellers kind of the same boat. It'll be in the SEC, so a little bit tougher, but he's also very dynamic on the ground. My big concern with those two is what are their progressions going to be as a passer and what's that NFL future look like? Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure at this point. I think, you know, both of them have looked good in very limited work so far, but for CFF, they look like studs. Yeah. Yes. If, if we're talking just CFF purposes, they're those guys that you go out and get because you want to win on the college side of your C2C leagues and stuff like that. I think sellers, as he progresses, uh, it depends on the arm, but I think he could progress into someone that could talk draft stock. I think Charles for now is a CFF asset that you just want to have just like, you know, the, uh, all the other wide receivers that are in, in the G5, things like that, yep. that you know that are just absolute monsters. So the Charles will file into a quarterback that you can have like a Haynes King and stuff like that that's just going to ball out basically depending on the matchup. So, Yeah, I think Charles is somebody we're going to have to keep an eye on the port transfer portal as well. I think he has aspirations beyond um, you know college football. I think he, he yeah. probably wants to be an NFL guy, and I think the potential is there but it's going to be difficult to do that at Oregon state. If they're playing in the G five, you know, right. not that G five quarterbacks never make it to the NFL. They do. Right. We've seen, a, you know, Jordan love, we've seen um, Josh Allen, both guys go in the first round from the G five BYU mm -hmm. is an independent when Zach Wilson was there. So it can be done. It's just a lot harder. So right. I think he could be a transfer candidate. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then the last uh, guy that I really wanted to highlight here out of this tier three group, I mean, we've mentioned Minchie, uh, at Notre Dame, he's in this group. Austin Novosad, another guy we briefly mentioned, he's at Oregon in this group. Austin Mack at, at Washington is a guy that I like, but he reclassified, probably going to sit another year. Um, Jaden Rashada, though, uh, at Arizona State. He started the year uh, as the QB1 for Arizona State through two games, mm -hmm. 34 for 60, 56.7% completion percentage, 403 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And then he got injured, and we mm -hmm. haven't seen him since. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Jaden Rashada and and what his future could be for the CFF perspective um, and then maybe even the NFL with with Kenny Dillingham at the helm? I'll say with Dillingham, that's that's the way you want to go for a system if you're going to do CFF purposes when you're looking at people that could uh, throw the rock and also the weapons that are around them. Uh, you know, we're all we're big on Scatterbow, too, and that's been, you know, OK, I guess this is the best way to explain it. But Rashada, man. 
like for NFL purposes, he's going to have to bulk up quite a bit. He's going to have to prove and not get banged up. A lot of it, I don't think that injury necessarily was his fault per se. It's just the kids, the kids thin. So it's like he's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to like be able to take these hits and just kind of tough it out and keep going. So if he keeps getting injured, that's not going to go well in the NFL side of things. But as far as CFF purposes, a Dillingham quarterback, yes, please let me have some of that. Um, and the guy, I mean, we all knew he had the talent and, when we heard the rumblings, like this guy might actually start year one. He also moved up quite a bit, just like Dante Moore. It's like this is a year one guy that we can throw into a lineup and he can actually produce. And then unfortunately we had the injury, so we only got two games out of him. But he's one of those guys who comes back from injury, comes back a little bit more bulkier, a little bit more jacked, you know, starts throwing the pill around a little bit more and stays stays as quick as he is as far as on the ground and everything like that too. Then uh, that that that'll help his NFL draft stock, but for now he's a CFF asset, and you might be able to get him actually at a good discount. Now would be the time to see if you could trade for Jaden Rashad, especially if you're not a contender. Um, and, you know, if you're just with one of those where you can maybe uh, tear down to get Rashada, maybe get another draft pick in Rashada for maybe you know a sophomore, maybe a junior that you're like, eh, he's like my quarterback three, but you know, he doesn't have, he's like, he's got upside, but I could do well with Rashada in an extra draft pick or something like that. So that would be something I'd look into, um, especially in CFF dynasty too. If there's a way you can tear down to Rashada and get some extra draft picks for your freshman uh, in your supplemental draft, that kind of be the way I'd, I'd look at it right now. While you can get him while he's low before he comes back on the scene and starts blowing it up again. So, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think he's a good buy candidate right now as well. Uh, but I, and I would also echo that mostly a CFF, uh, but there is some, you know, outside potential at an NFL future mm-hmm. there for him. I'll uh, move into our tier three of the running back position. And, you know, again, tier three is a little bit heftier than, than the top two. Um, we had a couple of names in here that, that really popped this year uh, and, and have done really well for CFF purposes. First up, we have Dylan Edwards, the running back at Colorado mm-hmm. uh, exploded onto the scene in the first two weeks of the season uh, tapered off a little bit since then, but uh, true, true weapon in the passing game, 32 catches, 260 yards and three touchdowns, uh, in the receiving game uh, on the ground, decent performance, 68 carries, 278 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but Dylan Edwards seemed like he could be a potential future fantasy nightmare, uh, for opponents while Sean Lewis was at the helm, but they, with that demotion, what are your thoughts on Dylan Edwards moving forward? Man, I don't know what Colorado's up to. It's just like they started so hot and then the, the fire burned down to an ember. So it's kind of like, and then they're going to blame Sean Lewis, which like, why, why are you going to yeah. pull the man from Kent State? You know what I'm saying? Like Kent State was still like, if Sean Lewis was there, it was possible that Tez would still be there. And there's a few other ones, things like that. Like they wouldn't be the same landscape as it is now. Um, things like Schley would probably would have stuck around. Like you would have seen like a true, like G5, you know, juggernaut as far as like a CFF assets and stuff like that. So it's good to, it's good to see that Dylan Edwards, you know, regardless of his size and stuff like that, I think that was the only knock that we truly had on Edwards and stuff like that, but he was explosive, has great hands. So, I mean, he can be, he's been a, a receiver just as much as he's been, you know, the actual stop running back and stuff like that but he's shifty enough to cut and get open unfortunately he plays for colorado which has a not a great offensive line uh at least shador's back next year so that's a plus yep. right so we get shador and dion at least for another year right um i don't know these there's a lot of coaching changes so who's to say i don't know if if 
I don't know. We'll see. Depends on how much of this blame they put on Dion and how much they put on the schedule, whatever. We'll see how that goes in, in the offseason. But if Dylan stays in the same offensive one and they can improve the O-line, I like him as far as more of a running situation. But until then, he's still a good uh, wide receiver asset to have, especially uh, is Jimmy Horn still there another year or so, right? I'm not really sure what that eligibility looks like for those Colorado wide receivers. Yeah. I, think I think Horn Weaver has Horn, another, right? and I think Weaver does not. Okay, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm almost positive Horn has another if he wants it. Though. Right. And they still got Omar Miller, and they still got, you know, they, and then of course, when the Hunter comes back, he'll right. probably play wide receiver too. So, um, I mean, for now, Edwards is being used where he needs to at the wide receiver position. So, as long as he's still getting those looks, he's still a guy in CFF you want to have. It's just when, if you see the decline there of being used in wide receiver and the O line hasn't done, that would be a good time to get out on him as far as like trading him while you can, while he's still a higher value. Um, I personally wouldn't want to carry on until the NFL side. I would rather just focus on the CFF and, and then kind of move, move away after that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that there too. Um, we had, uh, another guy in our tier three that I think we were higher on than, than the services was Parker Jenkins, the, uh, running back at Houston. Uh, he's come on pretty strongly here, uh, towards the end of the season, 82 carries, 400 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 11 uh, catches for 42 yards as well through the year. And that Houston running back room isn't really anything to write home about. I think he could be the guy there moving forward. The question is, you know, how much do we want that that guy? Is that a position that we're coveting uh, the running back in uh, the Dana Holgerson system or or what? But either way, I think Parker Jenkins is, is somebody to keep an eye on and somebody to definitely have at least on your roster. Yeah, Jenkins was the one that I actually hit on and that me and Corey talked about in the same episode. And I put Corey onto him as far as a Debbie asset. And so far, Corey is liking what he's seen. So, you know, shout out to Corey for showing some love back <laughs> and stuff like that. But I mean, we saw McCaskill at Houston and same Holgerson system. I think it depends on the quarterback right now. It's a Russian roulette with a quarterback. So our boy Matthew Golden, the golden one's not getting fed the way that we want him to. So right now they're depending a lot more on the run. And Parker Jenkins is up to the task. And we saw, you know, I saw in his high school one that he was very capable of getting the job done, of giving a bell cow roll. Um, he's explosive, man. He really is. He, he he cuts and he moves. So to see him break out, I was I was super happy to see that, you know, he he's leaving up and he's uh, able to move on to the college level and figure it out a lot faster than some of these other running backs and stuff like that. So shout out to Parker Jenkins. I, you know, it really depends. It's going to depend on who's the quarterback next year for Houston, um, where they you know, get a, a freshman in uh, that looks like a prime candidate for a, a hot spot for a transfer portal. Um, so I don't know, maybe if uh, Dante Moore wants to swing the rocket, at Matthew <laughs> Golden, I'm all for that. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm dreaming, you know, Dante, you can come to UNC if, Connor Harrell wants to take another year off, whatever the case may be, whatever you want to do, Dante. Um, but, you know, Houston is a prime uh, real estate spot there because it's just they're just playing Russian roulette. Who they got now? Donovan Smith is not the answer. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where get a good QB that might change the situation for Jenkins uh, for for a little bit. But for now, it's like the McCaskill situation where they're just, you know, they had Tank Dell and they had McCaskill. There was their two guys. And so I think that's what they're going to try to do now. It's just feed Jenkins and feed Golden and then the occasional uh, sprinkle of the other wide receivers in there as well. So for sure. Uh, and then the other big name, big breakout that we've had in our, from our tier three guys is Darius Taylor, the running back at Minnesota, uh, burst onto the scene there in the middle of the season, 103 car uh, carries 591 yards, four touchdowns, 
a little bit in the past game too, nine catches, 81 yards. Um, but he's been banged up lately. And we know we want that Minnesota running back. How mm. confident are you that, that Darius Taylor is going to be the next running back in Minnesota? And if so, you know, how high do you have him in, in the CFF ranks there for you? Yeah, he moved up. He was one of those guys where uh, I think it was me and Kay on the episode where we talked about the Big Ten running backs. And Taylor was a guy that we were oohing and on about just because of the tape that we saw. Um, he's already beat out my boy, Zach Evans. You know, was, I was big on Evans. He came on the show. So I was a Zach Evans guy and he already pretty much pushed him out of the way immediately. So Taylor moving forward and he was very high, uh, rated too. I think that's one of the higher ones Minnesota's had. And I guess in a couple of years, cause not even Mo was that highly recruited and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I want to say so, but look what Mo was able to do behind a similar offensive line. It's just, they have terrible quarterback play. I'm not a fan of their quarterback. And, uh, you saw it against, you know, I got to see it up close against UNC and we just sliced and diced him so it's just one of those things where like get a better quarterback maybe they wouldn't rely so much on taylor but until that changes taylor is a guy that you want to have for sure on your roster especially ff and honestly i see a lot as far as nfl potential too because he's a little bit bigger a little bit more forceful he keeps moving his legs so he's like a much more bulkier nicer version of mo if that makes sense and <laughs> we saw what mo was able to do and he's on a practice squad right now so taylor's definitely got some nfl hype for sure yeah, I think, you know, if he could put it together for a couple of years there at Minnesota, uh, we see him get drafted in some capacity. Um, the last guy that I wanted to touch on out of our tier three running backs, um, is Mark Fletcher, the running back at Miami. He a little bit of buzz early in the season. Uh, he's done OK so far this year. 74 carries, 342 yards, two touchdowns, five catches for 26 yards. I think Henry Parrish Jr. is out of eligibility after this year i'm almost positive then it's going to kind of be fletcher don cheney uh battling it out and potentially trevante citizen you know when he can come back hopefully he's healthy uh but moving forward mark fletcher you, you think he's the guy at miami um is, is he somebody you're you're looking at for cff purposes I was going to bring it up because uh we also have mr aj allen out there doing some things oh, too true. and uh he had two 20 point fantasy points i know like fletcher's been banged up i think even like i said cheney there's just been a lot of injury at miami it sucks for emory williams who i actually liked as far as the the newer yeah. quarterback too and now he looks to be out for at least a year um so kind of you know the bug is hitting miami i feel bad for him because they have all these really good assets that are there that could be fantasy relevant if put all together correctly uh, so I was big on Fletcher. Yeah, for sure. But now with AJ Allen in the mix, like, I don't know, like there's gotta be some transfer portal moving out. Right. That's gotta be the case. Cause there's just too many. It's like, if one goes off, they go with fancy points. And it's just like, how long can you keep these kids happy when you have citizen coming back, AJ Allen, who's a, a good fantasy asset. And now you have Mark Fletcher who given the opportunity was a fantasy asset. All these guys could hit you for 20 fantasy points and stuff like that. So what do you think, man? Do you think Fletcher even sticks around? Do you think A.J. Allen's gone? Do you think Citizen moves out? I mean, it's an interesting concept over there. Yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, I think A.J. Allen just transferred in, so he'd probably have to sit out if he transferred. So I think he's safe to right. assume that he's going to stay. Uh, Trevante Citizen, I think, would be the one that I could see potentially leaving. I mean, as, as a freshman, Mark Fletcher getting work, getting carries, he's probably ready to go in there and compete next year. Uh, right. citizen really has just not been able to stay healthy, not really been able to find his footing at Miami. You know, maybe he, um, heads out, uh, from that program. I'm not sure, but that is going to be a crowded backfield. I did forget about Allen. It's a good point. Yeah. So I meant 
for me, I like Fletcher. Uh, I just wouldn't bank on him as a weekly starter. He would be a guy that I would, would probably be sitting on my bench. Um, and CFF Dynasty, I, I was able to grab AJ Allen later um, just as an extra one to throw in there to see if maybe he gets the opportunity to be the bell cow. If not, then you can move on from AJ Allen fairly quickly. Sounds like he's not going anywhere, at least for a year. So you don't have to worry about the transfer. Citizen, if he moves, he will be highly sought after. He'll be a guy that a lot of teams will probably want to have as a right an rb1 or rb1b or something like that for sure yeah assuming health um but so anybody else uh on this list here that really stands out to you and i'll i'll run through a couple of the names real quick we have jeremiah cobb uh running back at auburn isaiah agastav running back at arkansas cole cabana running back at michigan caleb hicks running back oklahoma uh, Marion Peterson and Quentin Joyner both at USC, Cameron Cook at TCU, and Kiwan Brown at Louisville. Yeah, everybody on that list stand out. Joyner, because uh, once you have the other two fighting it out, uh, other than there's really no one behind Joyner unless they bring another uh, five star or a transfer, it could happen because it is Lincoln Riley, so he will poach whatever he's got to. But I think Joyner's got a good fast track to kind of get into some good. He's already shown some capability, especially with like 10 carries, 124 yards. He's already got a touchdown. He's got one reception for seven yards. So that's good when you're catching and you're running. I like that for Joyner in the USC offense. That that piques my interest quite a bit. Yeah, I think Joyner is is the guy out of that duo between him and Peterson. So um, Joyner would be the two out of that, the one out of those two that I would bank on there as well. I think it's a good call. Yeah. Uh, the guy, the only other guy I wanted to highlight, uh, I like Kiwan Brown at Louisville with uh, Jawar Jordan. I believe he's out of eligibility, but with the season he's having, I could see him parlaying that into an NFL yeah. um, draft stock. Maybe he's like a late day three guy, uh, ends up getting drafted in some capacity, and then it would just be Kiwan Brown. And then they have Isaac Guarendo there too, who's bounced around a little bit. He's been in school for five years. I want to say he has another year if he wants it because of yeah. the medical redshirt and covid um so i uh, he, he took a redshirt i think it was a sophomore year but it'd be brown and, and gorendo and we've seen what jar um, jawar jordan can do and i i did like right. Keelan brown coming out yeah he does have a good opportunity especially with room and owens going to AM and kind of getting out of the way there that opens up the opportunity we just have to see because signing days in like what less um, less than a month now at this point yeah. so that's when we all start paying attention and start getting ready for uh, I don't like calling the off season, but the, uh, the other season where we, uh, <laughs> we gather our dynasty thoughts and all that good stuff, especially for the freshmen coming in and stuff like that. So as long as no big guy flips or a big four star or five star that we just be like, Whoa, Brown's in trouble. Then it looks like Brown's got the fast track uh, coming up here pretty soon. So I do like that pick. Yeah. And uh, we'll move into the wide receivers tier three here. There were a lot of tier three wide receivers, so we won't name all those guys. Uh, but the first guy I wanted to highlight here is Malachi Coleman, the wide receiver at Nebraska. Uh, he started to get a little bit of run in the middle of the season. He's four catches, 78 yards and a touchdown, but he's kind of faded recently. Still a year one zero. Uh, he's somebody that our recruiting team liked. I liked his athleticism, very dynamic. Uh, is, but is that year one zero label worrying you a little bit? A little bit because we were, uh, I mean, I was high on for CFF purposes because it's Matt rule. Um, he's a high, almost a five star at one point down to like a very high four star. Um, so it's like, you know, he had the tangibles and he had literally the path. So it's like, who's going to 
Um, you know, because we wanted another Trey Palmer, basically. We just want another guy that we could kind of depend on. And with Matt Rule coming from more of a pro-style offense, we're like, hey, Colvin's got the height, he's got the weight, and he's got the tangibles. He could definitely be on track to be an NFL wide receiver. But it seems like even in the – I think he was banged up from what I was read on the okay. report up until like the – first two games he was still and then they cleared him and now all of a sudden rules like i'm gonna start coleman so did you know he got that one good game that he had like a really good game and it's just now he's just kind of like out there running routes because i don't know what nebraska's up to honestly (laughs) yeah Um, i like the running back the freshman uh the one that's been breaking out i forget his name uh that's a guy that you should go pick up in cff tried to but our buddy justice grabbed him before i could so sneaky sneaky justice um (laughs) but you know looks like nebraska's going back to the the ground and pound and just a good line stuff like that in particular quarterback there will figure i guess they'll figure that out but until they can do that i think coleman's a little stunted by that and that's probably why we haven't seen the breakout uh i don't know it's up to him like he could stick around and still try to you know be rules guy or he could possibly be a transfer portal candidate because he has if he gets you know anywhere like a he moves to like a florida state or somewhere where they can throw the ball and he can be wide open that would be a good good home for him so yeah and i mean i think Nebraska has got to be a, a transfer portal candidate for a quarterback. So we'll see how that yeah, shakes yeah. out. But yeah, I think Coleman is a guy that we could potentially see enter his name in there. Uh, the other biggest name here on the list that I wanted to highlight, Jaquazy Petaway at Oklahoma, uh, 11 for 70 uh, this year, one carry for 10 yards as well. Broke year one zero. I believe all 11 of those catches came from Jackson Arnold. Yeah. Um, so, game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he broke all that very quickly, but it seems like they like him there. Seems like he has a good connection with Arnold. Um, and it seems like he's possibly in line to be the next guy up at that in that Oklahoma state or in that Oklahoma offense, uh, which we like for fantasy purposes. So mm-hmm. uh, what, what are your thoughts here on Petaway uh, moving forward? Yep. He's the guy that you want to stash away with especially if you got jackson or only if you're able to grab these two together and that one if not maybe you might be able to work out a deal um petaway's still looked at as like a higher uh you know guy that you would grab so you might require a higher pick but if you can stack petaway with arnold for a future especially in cff dynasty or if you're going to c2c knowing you have a couple years before arnold and petaway move to the nfl that would be a nice nest egg to sit on as far as like a good one-two combo or your tent poles for your your CFF side of, of C2C for sure, man. Yeah. And then the last guy I want to highlight um, is probably one of our recruiting team's best calls. In my opinion, it's Eric Singleton, the wide receiver at Georgia yeah. tech. And he has, he's broken out in a pretty mm-hmm. big way this year, 38 catches, 580 yards and six touchdowns already returning some CFF value for you. He's electric with the ball in his hands and this Georgia tech team I think Haynes King can come back like this. This could be an offense to watch next year. Yeah. Uh, once again, uh, chasing the natty was like, hey, we like the new change as far as offense is concerned, the coaching as well. Uh, Singleton was highlighted as far as a guy that could possibly break out um, him and then the running back. I think uh, not Hayes, but Haynes, one of those mm-hmm. that goes with him, who's the, the hybrid wide receiver running back him with a Haynes King uh, at the helm, man. Like that's a. That's a scary team in the ACC, man. And they're one of those teams where, like, uh, you've seen what they've done against Clemson, against us here at UNC. Yeah. Uh, 
they're they know how to stay in the game um i mean we've seen one where they completely forgot how to play football too at the same time so it is the acc it is what it is but like with haynes king who is actually like a really good quarterback i'm glad he got out of a&m and he was able to find a good home and stuff like that so shout out to the recruiting people there at georgia tech they put together a team very fast in the offseason and they've made it pay and singleton is a guy that i really do like watching out there uh in, in the acc so uh Let's hope that Georgia Tech doesn't start attracting more five or, you know, like crazy four stars <laughs> or anything like that. So Singleton can stay relevant, you know, but uh, for now, Singleton. And then, like I said, the uh, running back slash wide receiver, I think his name is Hayes, not Haynes or whatever. But regardless, similar name, they are the guys to look out for because they're very explosive in that Georgia Tech offense. Yep. Uh, and then I lied. I did have one other guy on this list here. Marion <laughs> Miller, the wide receiver yeah. at Colorado. Um Broke the year one zero. He's got 10 catches, 235 yards and a touchdown. Had one monster game. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, we might see some some turnover at the wide receiver position there. He could potentially be the next guy up. Uh, is this a guy that you're targeting next year for CFF purposes? I am, yeah. I mean, if he's he's a guy if I can get him uh, for a decent one, if I can trade a draft pick for him, possibly I would do it because I think he's the Weaver replacement, if I'm not mistaken, him, Horn, and then having probably – hunter back um and then so there i mean there's some options and of course dylan edwards there, kind of hanging out too so uh i think miller's just the next man up and he's just the guy that's gonna get and i'm just you know that's the good thing about knowing that shador is back at least you know what to expect at least from the quarterback standpoint for a year um all depends on that o-line because the more time shador has sure. next year the better it's gonna be um but they're you know they're throwing for the lives right now and that's good for cff purposes so this is just pretty much the pac-12 version of the tar hills basically if that makes sense so uh, especially last year so <laughs> um definitely uh miller's a guy i would like to have for sure yeah um all right we'll move into some lower or unranked guys guys that we did not have uh on our radar initially but they played and they've been productive this year uh the quarterback position uh, Emory Williams, the quarterback at Miami, we talked about him injured uh, last week. His arm was in an air cast. Uh, sounds like he's going to miss the rest of the year. We'll see how it ends up bad it ends up being. But he got on the field for five games. Uh, and then the other three have been starting for most of the year. Anthony Calandria, the quarterback at Virginia, has been yo-yoing a little bit between him and Musket. But uh, he's been very productive this year. He brings a little bit on the ground as well with 54 carries for 171 yards. Um, and then we have Keon Jenkins at FIU, who's had a pretty big year, uh, taking a lot of sacks, though, 32 sacks, 205 sack yardage. Uh, and then Jalen Rayner, the quarterback at Arkansas State, he's also had a pretty nice year, five rushing touchdowns on the ground, 300 yards uh, to go with uh, 1,800 passing yards and 14 passing touchdowns. Out of these three, are these guys that you know, you're looking at, at taking – pretty early in CFF like in it from a dynasty perspective to to really lock up the quarterback position for a while or are these guys maybe flashes in the pan what are your thoughts on these three um I'm more interested in uh Rainer for sure because I did have Jackson Daly last year as a big fish small pond and then I think did, I don't know if he got hurt or just uh Rainer just kind of took over or just beat him out but Arkansas State has always been very good for CFF purposes, regardless if it's the wide receiver or their quarterback. Um, so that's one of those people you kind of want to have. Uh, is it super high? Not necessarily. He should be like mid, you know, mid level as far as like the uh, rounds probably for next year for CFF. But he's a guy I would want to have, especially for like a, a QB three or a good spot start here and there too. He's like the Haynes King of this year, where you just want to have him basically on a on a roster and use him when you need to. Uh, 
I like uh, I like VA better when uh, when Collinger is there uh, <laughs> versus the the musket because the musket uh, he's not firing the way he needs to like a true <laughs> rifle. Um, so I like Anthony a lot better as far as for Virginia's purposes. I know it's Tony Elliott, so it's like we really it's more run heavy first and stuff like that. And so, um, but you know, having him and then Kobe Pace again next year when we see Hollins and those guys kind of disappear. Um, I think Malik Washington is gone too after this year too. So they're going to need another. So the Virginia offense, as far as like the wide receiver one is going to be a good discussion in the off season, as far as who might um, step up or maybe we see another transfer like Washington. So um, I like him. I like Collinger and I like Rainer as far as the guys I'd be looking at possibly for next year. Okay. Uh, moving into the running back position, we had a, a couple other lower guys um, break out. Tybo Rogers was in our, uh, guide. Um, but the other guys in the list here were, were not LJ Martin, uh, at BYU, Justin Marshall, who was a wide receiver. Uh, seems like they moved him to running back, at least based on this week where he had 18 carries, 119 yards and a touchdown. Um, Dawson Pendergrass at Baylor has been mildly impressive, actually 64 carries, 295 yards, five touchdowns, 17 catches, 162 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Cedric Alexander was a guy for uh, Vanderbilt who was getting some hype this offseason. He's gotten some run. Uh, then Jaheim White, the running back at West Virginia, also has been coming on a little bit here uh, to compliment C.J. Donaldson. Um, out of this group here, is there anybody that you particularly have your eye on? We did talk up uh, Tybo Rogers, me and Mr. Froton. We had a good discussion about Tybo. Um, I think they are getting their running back back, the one that got hurt. I think it was, what, Porter? Um, there at Washington. Uh, so I think it's a camp. I think it's Cam Porter. I forget his name. Oh, um, he's at um, Cam Porter's at Northwestern. I think it's uh, say, is sorry. It Nixon. Uh, I forget. Hang on real <laughs> quick while we're doing it. it uh, might Cameron Davis, Davis. at uh, Washington. So he was supposed to be the guy there, um, went down with injury. So now we have Tybo. Um, it depends on what happens between Davis and Tybo, I think, next year. But Washington, uh, very pass-heavy. We'll see what changes with Penix gone. Uh, the three wide receivers look to be going to the to the NFL, too. If I was Polk, I'd probably go now while the iron was hot. So yeah. definitely we'll be doing that. Um, Justin Marshall, I really wouldn't worry about because we one of my guys, uh, Damien Henderson, who was supposed to be the breakout, big right. fish, small pond, he went down with injury. So I don't think he was ever given a fair shot. So I think that'll be a, a battle between Marshall and Henderson. Uh, I do like Pendergrass, and I do like Cedric Alexander there at Vanderbilt because we saw when Ray Davis was given opportunity, if Alexander becomes a true bell cow, I think that would be pretty impressive of him to uh, to break out there at Vandy. Yeah, yeah, I think Cedric Alexander, like I said, a guy that got a lot of hype. Um, he's done an admirable job this year. We just need to see him take the reins and, and get that workload. At the wide receiver position, um, the, the biggest breakout, this year really has been Kevin Concepcion, um, 50 catches, 573 yards, six touchdowns, also 18 carries, 198 yards on the ground. I mean, he has been the best option for uh, this NC State offense that's disappointed a little bit in Robert and I's first year there. Uh, we've also had Tiger Bachmeyer at Stanford. Uh, he's had a couple of nice games. Tyler Brown, pretty big breakout there at Clemson as well. 40 catches, 447 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Amari Thomas, the wide receiver at UAB, has been pretty impressive too. London Humphreys uh, at um, Vanderbilt, 19 catches, 413 yards, and four touchdowns. That is 
those are some insane numbers there. 21.7 yards per reception. Uh, then we have Devin McEwen at UTSA and Mikey Matthews at Utah. Also both uh, guys who have gotten a good amount of run here this year. Is, is there anybody on this list that stands out to you that, uh, that you're really keeping an eye on for CFF next year? Yeah, KC there at NC State. Um, he was just a guy that was a higher three-star. Honestly, I thought he should have been a four just because of what I saw on tape and stuff like that. Um, good landing spot. You know, you had guys like Noah Rogers and those that could have been at NC State. Same thing with Leacock. He almost went to NC State. He went to Tennessee. So these bigger guys that could have been the stud didn't. So I let KC um, – you know, I thought my boy Juice Vereen was going to be in there more, yeah. but it seems like he's more a next year situation, but he does have flashes from this past year. So Casey and Juice are the guys you want at NC State for sure. Um, uh, we were big on Tiger Bachmeyer. I mean, it looks like the other guy that came out of nowhere that I think he, I don't know, was he on the practice <laughs> squad or like in the yeah, stands and they like just that. gave him a jersey? Uh, I don't know what happened, but the dude just went off there at uh, at Stanford. So Bachmeyer became kind of more like the wide receiver too versus the one, but he still has some sweet hair and he's a Bachmeyer. So I still true that. You know, and his name's that. Tiger. And his name's Tiger. So you don't you don't sleep on guys named Tiger. <laughs> Tyler Brown was the biggest one, man. Like no one talked about him. Like we didn't at CFF. Like it was just one. It was Clemson. We were worried about Club Nick. We were worried about you know. The situation there, like, is it going to be just Shipley and Maffa and then maybe a Klubnik game here or there, and then the rest is just Clemson defense? Like, no one saw Tyler Brown coming. So it was cool to see the breakout, and now seeing him looked in Debbie aspects too. So he looks like an NFL guy, to be honest. Him and Antonio Williams are the guys I would do it. Sucks for Adam Randall. Maybe yeah. some guys still have hope in Randall. Maybe Randall should just new change of scenery. Maybe get out of that. I don't know. He might not be able to heal as fast because they have the voodoo Clemson uh, <laughs> you know, stuff going on there with whatever needles or witch doctors, whatever they're doing. Maybe they know uh, what uh, Aaron Rodgers is up to and they may hang out with him. I don't know. Uh, so maybe it's that. Um, but maybe Randall needs a change of scenery. I think it might be time for him to transfer out to truly get a chance to maybe be NFL relevant again. And then uh, I would say Mikey Matthews, man. I, I know you guys had the guy. I forget his name. And sorry for not knowing, but the guy that was That's on right. here, Noah. Uh, about yeah, Noah, who like Mikey Matthews, also was a big Matthews guy. I just wish he didn't choose Utah. I wish yep. he choose somewhere else because Matthews has the tangibles to be like a true stud if he went to a, a premier one where they pass. So I'm hoping with this talk of Utah, the mass exodus that might be coming here out of the uh, the transfer portal that we heard recently yeah, in the past couple of days. Came to see in the I think Matthews there, so. might be one of those 14 or 15 players that might be dipping out of there. So especially if they lose Keithy and they lose Cam Rising, they might be, I don't know, they might be all be talking about one school in particular. We don't know. Like it might be a situation where the FCDS team goes up the FBS, but it might just be, <laughs> you know, Pac-12, uh, a new conference, right? So we'll see, yeah. right? But who's to say? Uh, but Mikey Matthews is a prime candidate. If he hits the portal, I would be very interested to see where he lands. And if he becomes the guy that they target, um, I'm interested uh, more. And he's sitting on my uh, on my bench right now. I'm just waiting, hoping that maybe he gets a, a better opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting names there in that list. Uh, and like I highlighted you, earlier, you, you cover the future freshman podcast there. And every episode, uh, you do a big fish, small pond. So I wanted to just wrap this up with, you know, checking in on some of these guys. Uh, there have been, you know, three guys who have have really gotten some work this season. Vaughn Blue at, at Liberty, um, 12 carries, 76 yards, three catches, two, 25 yards and a touchdown. Um, Darrell Robinson at Charlotte started off the year decently well, 40 carries, 166 yards and a touchdown through the first five games. Uh, but he's out for the season and has been since October, unfortunately. And then Harvey Broussard had a little bit of a breakout last week with five catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. 
Um, I mean, I think those three were the the names that stood out to me on this uh, this list as I was you know checking in through and and seeing how these guys were doing. Um, are these probably your top three on this list still, or did you have another guy that you're really still keeping an eye on? Um, yeah, I mean, I was. I, I was mocked. I was mocked and ridiculed about Harvey Broussard. So guess what, Jared? I was right. And no matter if it's U of L, he's still going to break out. The guy was just too talented. Um, but no, I mean, like there was concern because he's there sure. at U of L. But Broussard's finally starting to see like the targets. I think he's finally caught up to the speed of college now, so he's finally starting to do his thing. Uh, the biggest one, like I said, Damien Henderson, like I still feel like we need right. to look out for him. He was super highly rated to the high, high four star. I was like, why are you going to Colorado State, dude? You could play anywhere in the, you know, like he was a guy that could play at the SEC level, the ACC level and be perfectly fine. So the fact that he chose Colorado State, I was like, this guy's easily going to outpass Morrow and they're all banged up. So it's like it's an open opportunity. So it's almost like he just got a red shirt and then now they're all just going to redo this again next year and see who's going to be their guy so uh henderson's still a guy i look at uh Dion brown at uh eastern michigan uh there's still an opportunity for a good run uh they haven't really changed so much of their offense mm-hmm. um so Dion brown he was a small guy like five eight so he's more of a dylan edwards type but given the opportunity i think brown could really be good um yeah and i think evans is out of eligibility Right, it's gone. Um, and I think their backup is too. I think that could be a really nice opportunity for Dion Brown. And that's what year. I saw. It was like it was just, you know, there was a senior, senior, and then a freshman. So I'm like, okay, maybe we got a fast track here. And he was gonna be one of those guys you just stash and then wait till next year type situation. Um honestly, I wasn't expecting I mean, I kind of was, but Brown at at USF, I mean, like that's golden opportunity for CFF gold, right? And he's proven it now to be the guy. Izzy Carter was very highly sought after as far as in the the recruiting. I think you guys also had him in the guide too. I don't know if he was, I think he might have been tier three, tier four or something like that. He was further down, but. Yeah, I think he was tier four. Yeah, but he was the guy highlighted as a sneaky pick had Brown not been the guy or he, if Carter beat him out somehow or something like that. So. Unfortunately, we're probably going to see Brown for another year or two as long as he stays healthy. So Carter is one of those guys that sits in the wing. So for now, I wouldn't keep him as a roster cogger. He would be more of a watch list type of candidate. But Mm -hmm. if he transfers there and also I thought maybe that uh, Liberty now having Chadwell and having a better opportunity and stuff like that. uh, Reese Mooney, if he was going to beat out Salter and those guys, he would have a really good one. And Reese is like one of those baseball slash guys. So he reminds me some of his uh, movements and stuff is a lot like I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying (laughs) because of baseball and stuff like that, he's able to kind of throw the side, you know, stuff like that can see the field a little bit better, things like that. So given an opportunity, if Salter's gone or he just doesn't stick around or whatever happens with Chad, well, I know he's a candidate for all these coaching positions, too. So he's a hot name. Yeah. So if he goes, maybe. Salter goes with him or something. I don't know. But if it stays the same and we we will see Mooney like here in a year or so, he's a guy I would uh I wouldn't keep, but he's a watch list guy too. Um then my last one would be Darrell Robinson. Like he's the one like right. with with Pogney and stuff like that. He was he was the coach, he was Biff's guy in high school. Like that was his high school running back. So he personally sought out Darrell Robinson. Robinson left. He was actually going to go to Liberty with Chadwell, decided not to. And now he's there. It sucks that he got hurt so much because he was starting to beat out um, 
I forget the other running back that was there at Charlotte, but uh, the one that had a decent season last year, but he was already beating them out for touches and already proven to be the stud. So now it's just a wait, wait on, wait until next year till Robinson's healthy and then pretty much play him when they play conference play because he'll smash everybody. So those are the guys I'm looking at. The rest of them, I'll be honest, is a nice big whiff. Um, just, <laughs> you know, like shooting Richard for Ross. deep. Yeah, I was trying to. Like, I don't know. Arnold Barnes is interesting there at Tulane. Uh, he's had some. Like, he's only got 13 fantasy points total. The he was a popular year. name this offseason, too, as a he sleeper. Was. Um, and But it looks like, I mean, Tulane's just going to go with the hot hand, basically, regardless. So, uh, And I had the wrong UTSA. It looks like it was the Devin guy. That we <laughs> Devin about. McEwen, yeah. And then uh, me and then uh, Jared with the other UTSA wide receiver. Just Am- Amador, out. I think. Yeah. yeah, Amador. Yeah, just weren't the guys. So, you know, big whiff. And I'm. I'm never, you know, I'm not going to say that I I don't miss. I do miss a lot more than I hit, but when it hits, it's it's a good feeling. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you're aiming from deep on freshmen at at these at some of these G5 schools. But you know, you get a you get a Darrell Robinson, you get a Harvey Broussard there. It starts to pop. Could see what they can do next year. Yep. Um, All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, breaking down this whole freshman class, top to bottom, uh, with me here today. This was, I, I think, this was a good check in. Uh, a good heat check on some of these freshmen here as well uh, and, and a value check moving forward. Yeah. And I just want to point out before we leave, you know, this is a good opportunity. Like the new freshmen are coming in. There's going to be the new hotness. We're going to get excited about freshmen and supplemental drafts. Don't forget about some of these guys. This is a good opportunity to maybe buy a little lower, maybe do a package deal, tear down a little bit. That would be an option that you can do. So now's the time to strike, especially if you're not in the, you know, the actual playoff still, maybe you're out, you're looking at freshmen next year. Now would be a good time to start making some of these trades as well. So go look at what your, uh, your league is doing. You know, if you have some league mates that are just, just like everyone has rookie fever, everyone has freshman fever too, by the way. So that's the good thing about playing C2C or playing CFF. Everyone gets that fever around draft time and they want the new hotness. So you might be able to get you a a good sophomore junior that you can win now. If, especially if you were super close and maybe just barely missed the playoffs, I would be looking at that currently. Yeah. I mean, we highlighted a lot of names on this list today. If you have any questions about any of these guys, yeah, we obviously could cover all of them in depth or this would have been like a six hour show. And I don't want to do that to Brandon as much as I enjoy talking to you. I wouldn't want to hours. do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely you know, shoot me a DM if you have any questions about any of these guys uh, that we didn't cover on here or if there's a name that, that we missed. You know, a lot of names on here. Um, bound to have missed one somewhere, I'm sure. But that's going to do it for us here tonight. I will be back shortly with a handful of start sits uh we are not doing the start sit competition but i know it's still the semifinals and a lot of playoff matchups so i will give you guys a handful of start sits in this one but that's going to do it for brandon and i brandon thank you again for joining me sir appreciate it thank you sir thank you for having me on we'll see you next time absolutely have a good one thank you to brandon sanders for joining me on this one giving uh, giving you guys one of probably the most comprehensive freshman class reviews that you'll get out there so really appreciate brandon coming on here uh but i am back i'm going to be giving you guys some starts and sits this week look just because austin's away does not mean that i have forsaken you guys i'll not forget you don't worry it's not going to be the full 10 starts full 10 sits because we're not doing the competition but i got two starts uh at each position two sits at each position and some honorable mentions sprinkled in there so let's get on to this one. We got Malik Hornsby, quarterback at Texas State, up first in my starts. Look, if you've held on to Hornsby this long, now's your time. 
now is your time. He replaced Finley in the second half last week. He had two rushing touchdowns in the second half. Um, he only threw the ball eight times, but his value is really going to come on the ground. When they get Arkansas State this week, that defense is terrible all around. They allow 256 pass yards per game, which is 116th in the country. They allow 175.4 rush yards per game, which is 109th, and 30.8 points per game, which is 106th. They're also 29th worst in defensive rush EPA per play, so their rush defense is very soft, and I think that's where Hornsby's going to get uh, a lot of his work in this one. Probably not going to throw the ball a ton, but I think we're going to see Malik Hornsby get the start this week, and I think we're going to see him tear up Arkansas State's defense on the ground. Uh, next up at the quarterback position, I'm starting Jacob Zeno, the quarterback at UAB. Uh, he's been a little bit up and down lately. He's at 7, 28, 10, 37, and 5 fantasy points. Uh, but the 7, 10, and 5 came against Tulane and UTSA, two of the toughest teams that they're gonna that, that UAB plays, and then Navy, uh, who is a difficult matchup. Um, so you know, not necessarily surprising that he struggled in those games. He's been good against bad defenses, and Temple has a bad defense. Uh, they allow 242 pass yards per game, which is 94th. They allow 34.9 points per game, which is 124th. And they are third worst in defensive pass EPA per play. But now that EJ Warner is back, that offense has also been clicking pretty well. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Both of these teams have pretty good offenses and bad defenses. They're going to need Jacob Zeno to throw the ball and keep them in this one. Uh, so I like Jacob Zeno this week. Uh, I have an honorable mention at the quarterback position here, and, and he's only an honorable mention because I know Austin would make fun of me if I tried to list him as a start. Um, but I, I've seen a little bit of talk about this out there already, and do not sit Drake May. Start Drake May this week. Yes, they get Clemson. But UNC has only scored less than 30 points in one game this year, and that was that loss to Virginia. He just threw for 342 yards against a very good Duke pass defense. But don't get cute. This is the time to start your studs. Drake May brought you here if you're still in this. Uh, so, so play Drake May this week. Do not sit him. Um, running back, I'm starting Jalen Buckley, running back for Western Michigan. I'm back, I'm back on the Buckley train. He, just when I think him out, he sucks me right back in. He's got back-to-back 100-yard games, 23 and 25 carries in those two games. Seems like he's back to being the workhorse here. Uh, and then they get NIU this week, and NIU has a bad run defense. They allow 170.6 rush yards per game, which is 100th in the country, and they're 25th worst in defensive rush success rate and 31st worst in defensive rush EPA per play. Uh, they get the Tuesday game this week. So you get Buckley in your lineup, get off to a nice start on the week, and you know hopefully ride that momentum all the way through to the end of the week. But I'm starting Jalen Buckley. I'm also starting Amani Bailey this week, the running back at TCU. He's been averaging 18.6 carries per game. So pretty steady, solid workload on the year. It's also over a thousand yards this year too. So quietly having a, a nice year just really has not gotten the touchdowns to come with it. Only five on the year so far, but he has 200 yard games in his last five and another one with 98 yards. So right on the edge and they get Baylor this week. Baylor has a bad rush defense. They allow 186.9 rush yards per game, which is 120th. 
in the country. They're 15th worst in defensive rush EPA per play, 27th worst in defensive rush success rate, and potentially most importantly, 22nd worst in defensive rush explosiveness. Uh, Amani Bailey is an explosive runner. He always has been dating back to his days at UL. He could break some long runs in this one. He might even get that long touchdown that's kind of been eluding him so far. So soft matchup, got the volume. I like Amani Bailey this week. Uh, honorable mention here is Carson Steele. Uh, running back at UCLA. I know that there's some turmoil going on with UCLA right now. Rumors about Chip Kelly floating out there. Quarterbacks kind of in flux. They play USC this week. That is a get-right matchup for any offense, especially the running back. So I'm I'm starting Carson Steele this week. Um, wide receiver, uh, I'm starting Elijah Surratt, the wide receiver at James Madison. Uh, he's been averaging just under 10 targets per game in his last five games. He's got three games in that stretch over 100 yards. They play App State this week. As App State's pass defense is not nearly as soft as their running defense is, but I think this is a game where we're going to see a good amount of points in this one. James Madison is a pass funnel defense. App State can throw the ball with Joey Aguilar. Joey Aguilar is another guy that I'd be looking to start this week, but you know he's a little bit more obvious based on what he's been doing. Um, but I, I think that this is going to be a fairly high-scoring game. James Madison likes to throw the ball around. They're going to need Surratt in this one, so I like Elijah Surratt as a start. Uh, and then I'm also starting Josh Kelly, the wide receiver for Washington State. Uh, they play Colorado this week, so soft matchup there. Uh, Colorado's pass defense allows 292 pass yards per game, which is 131st in the country. They're eighth worst in defensive pass success rate and 22nd worst in defensive pass e-paper play. Uh, and Josh Kelly's on a little bit of a heater here. Uh, he's got 12, he had 12 targets last week in a really high scoring game. He's got a touchdown in back-to-back -back games. And in those two games, he has 82 and 130 yards receiving. So a little bit of a hot streak, continuing it with a good matchup against Colorado. I like Josh Kelly this week. Into the sits, uh, I'm sitting Jackson Dart this week, quarterback at Ole Miss. Um, he was injured last week against Georgia. Now, reportedly, he could have come back in the game, but they were getting blown out at that point. So they wanted to get Spencer Sanders in there. You know, why risk Dart any further? It sounds like Dart could is, is expected to play in this one, but I just I think he's only going to play a little bit, to be honest. They play UL Monroe this week. I'm worried that Ole Miss is going to blow them out, uh, and then they'll, they'll pull Dart, uh, so that way he doesn't get hurt again. And they may want to get Spencer Sanders some run, too, since he's done after this year. This is his last year of eligibility. Um, so I think we could see a heavy dose of Quinshawn, a little bit of Dart, and I think he could get pulled. So I do not trust him. In this one, if I have better options, I'm going in another direction. Uh, and then next up, I have Seth Hennigan, quarterback at Memphis. Uh, they play SMU this week. Um, SMU's defense is very good. They are 100. They allow 173.8 pass yards per game, which is 13th in the country. 16.4 points per game, which is ninth in the country. They're third in defensive pass EPA per play and second in defensive pass success rate. This is a legit defense, a legit pass defense. And Seth Hennigan doesn't really bring much with his legs. Uh, so if he's not getting it done with his arm, he's not really getting it done. So 
So I do not trust Seth Hennigan this week. Uh, running back, I'm sitting Cedric Baxter, running back for Texas. Um, look, Brooks did get hurt late in that game last week. Torn his, tore his ACL. He is out for the year. Um, Baxter was splitting carries fairly evenly before that, but Baxter has not been very efficient on his carries all year. Uh, and I worry that we're going to see some Savion red, um, and some Jadon blue, get a little bit of the colors going in there. And Cedric Baxter may not get a full complement of, of carries like Brooks would have gotten. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Baxter and what his workload is going to be. I, I don't trust that enough in the first game in your semifinals to, to roll him out there. Plus, they get Iowa State. Iowa State is a good rush defense. They allow 124.7 rush yards per game, which is 36th in the country, uh, and they're 25th in defensive rush EPA per play. So all of that is just spelling up to a recipe that I do not like. Uh, I'm not starting Cedric Baxter this week. I'm also not starting Marcus Carroll, the running back for Georgia State. Uh, he's been good this year, no doubt about it. Um, and LSU's defense has been bad this year. But there is still a huge talent gap between Georgia State and LSU. LSU is still way better than Georgia State, has the athletes, has the talent on defense that they can shut them down. They shut Army out three weeks ago. They shut down Mississippi State and Auburn's run games when they played them. LSU has been getting gashed by the good offenses, and they've been holding firm against some of these softer ones. I also expect negative game script in this game, which is not working Carroll's favor. So I, I just, I cannot advocate rolling Marcus Carroll out there this week. Uh, wide receivers. Uh, I'm sitting Ricky white wide receiver for UNLV. Uh, he's been very good down the stretch here. 36, 16, 34, 36, and 22 fantasy points. Uh, and four of those five games, he went over 140 yards. So he has been on fire down the stretch here. But Air Force's defense is no joke. They play Air Force this week. They allow 159.3 pass yards per game, which is fifth in the country, 15.7 points per game, which is seventh in the country, and they are 22nd in defensive pass EPA per play. Uh, Air Force is like going to slow this game down. They're going to run the ball, and it's probably going to be a lower-scoring game. And they have a very good defense. I, I just I can't trust Ricky White in this matchup. Uh, then I'm also sitting Elijah Badger, wide receiver for Arizona State. Uh, he's been my guy. He's been my guy for a long time. The volume is there. He's averaging just under 10 targets over his last five games. Uh, but Arizona, offense, Arizona State's offense has not been good lately. They've had 20 or fewer points in three of their last four. And, and actually, it's 17 or fewer points in three of their last four. Uh, and in two of those last three games, Elijah Badger has two and four targets. Uh, the game script will be in favor for Badger to see a lot of volume, but I think Oregon is going to absolutely crush Arizona State. Oregon's pass defense does let up uh, a good amount of yards. They're 50th in the country. Uh, they allow 214.7 pass yards per game. But they are very good in the advanced metrics, 19th in defensive pass success rate and 11th in defensive pass EPA per play. Uh, I just I can't trust Elijah Badger out there against Oregon, despite what I assume is going to be a good amount of volume. 
Uh, and then my honorable mention here at the wide receiver position is Joey Hobart, wide receiver at Texas State. Uh, he did miss last week's game, so you might not even be looking to start him, but he's been very good when he's been healthy. We'll see how that one, you know, that situation shakes out. But honestly, I, I can't trust him even if he goes this week. Uh, they get Malik Hornsby at quarterback, like I mentioned earlier, and they only threw the ball eight times in the second half uh, of last week. Or Hornsby only threw the ball eight times last week. If he gets to start and he plays the most amount of the snaps, like I'm kind of expecting, and like the tea leaves seem to be reading at this point, you can't trust any of these wide receivers. So even if Joey Hobart plays, you can't roll Joey Hobart out there in this one. Uh, that's all the start sits that I have, but I do have one last parting piece of advice for this week. Dan Villari for, of Syracuse is listed as a quarterback and tight end on fan tracks, but he functioned as a wildcat quarterback last week, and he ran for 154 yards and a touchdown. If your league does still have waivers open, I imagine he is probably available on them. Uh, I would go pick him up and I would start him at tight end this week. I would expect more of the same game plan from Syracuse. Um, Schrader is banged up right now. Uh, it's hard for, for them to trust him. Uh, and they get Georgia Tech this week. I think Georgia Tech's offense has been very explosive. I would expect them to uh, Syracuse to try and, and limit the amount of time that Georgia Tech is on the field. I think that we're going to see a lot of Wildcat. And I think we could see Dan Villari in a similar role that we saw last week. Um, so if he's running for 100 yards and a touchdown, that's fantastic at your tight end position. But that is going to do it for me this week. Uh, thank you one last time to Brandon Sanders for joining me. Uh, I will have another guest next week as Austin is still out of cell service off of the Amalfi Coast. But until next time, this is Colin and have a good one.